the pressure builds up so much in the roots that it forces the water and the sap from the plant out these pores. It's sort of like squeezing a plastic bottle at the bottom and forcing the liquid out the top. Hey, I'm Karen, and together with my husband, I spent over a decade researching and learning and building our small farm through lots of trial and error, successes and failures. I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture to help our farm business, and now I want to pass all that knowledge on to you. Because I firmly believe that self-reliance is empowering, and that everyone, whether you've got a five-acre plot in the country, a half-acre lot in suburbia, or a windowless room in a downtown apartment, should just grow something. Water, water everywhere, nor any drop to drink. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. This Garden Talk Tuesday, we're going to talk a little bit about what happens in the garden when it just won't stop raining and what to do when your soil is just too wet and nothing will dry up. Um, if you can't tell by the sound in my voice, that is exactly what we're experiencing right now here. And actually, a lot of gardeners in the Midwest right now can commiserate with this. Um, right now, our area is in a really rainy, wet cycle. We've had rain nine straight days in a row. We've had eight inches of rain for the month of May. We actually got a little bit of a break today, but it looks like we have another four days in a row coming up with rain and then maybe like a one day break and then two more days. Like it's crazy. I feel like I've moved to the Pacific Northwest. I have no idea how you guys survive these types of conditions in the PNW all the time. It's been gray. It's been gloomy. It's rained pretty much nonstop, even if it's just a light drizzle. I need some sunshine. The plants need some sunshine, and it doesn't look like much is coming our way anytime soon. The problem with all this water is that oversaturated soil can cause all kinds of problems for your plants. And this goes too with overwatering your plants. A little bit less of a concern when you're in containers because most of the time you have decent drainage and you're more worried about them not getting enough water um, or not staying consistently wet. But um, you can also overwater your plants in containers as well, and certainly you can do it in the gardens. So too much water in the soil can cause the plant to weaken, um, which can cause it to fall prey to different pests. Um, you'll see plants that aren't able to take up their nutrition properly. So because number one, a lot of those nutrients are being washed further away from the root zone when you have such a heavy influx of water. But then also the xylem and the phloem of that plant, those areas that move the water and the nutrients around in the plant are already full. Basically, they're saturated. They can't take up any more than what they already have. Um, and that goes with all of the plant cells. As a matter of fact, there's often times where we have had very humid temperatures or very humid conditions and we haven't had any sun and it's been um, sort of cool and just sort of generally damp in the greenhouse or in the gardens and I'll walk in and those plants look like they're sweating. This is a phenomenon called gradation and when you see it this is almost literally like they are sweating out of their little plant pores. You'll see droplets of water 
all along the edges of the plant. Now, this is different from transpiration. Transpiration is the process that plants use to take up water and nutrients from the soil. The water evaporates at the plant's leaf surface through the stomata and the cuticle and the tender young stems, and that causes the plant to draw new water and nutrients up from the bottom out of the root zone. It's sort of like a straw. So the water leaves the top and causes more to be drawn in from the bottom. And we all know when it's really hot, this process occurs more quickly because the water vaporizes more rapidly. And then if there's not enough moisture or the plant can't take it up fast enough, well, then you get a wilty plant. Gutation is different. Rather than evaporating at the leaf surface, the pores, um, there's pores along the edge of the plant leaves. They're called hydathodes, and those will exude moisture. So when the plant can't properly transpire because there's too much water and there's too much humidity and not enough sun, the pressure builds up so much in the roots that it forces the water and the sap from the plant out these pores. It's sort of like squeezing a plastic bottle at the bottom and forcing the liquid out the top. So transpiration is drawing water and nutrients in where gutation is forcing water and nutrient-rich sap out. And that's kind of the key thing there. Transpiration, you're only losing water, but through gutation, you're also it also contains plant sap and that holds nutrients. So you're losing nutrients at the same time. So in transpiration, the water is lost as water vapor. In gutation, you see the liquid in the form of droplets on the leaf edges, almost like the plant is sweating. It's actually very cool to see. I'm going to try to see if I can find a picture of this happening last year. Um, this happened in the greenhouse in the early spring, and I'll see if I can get them posted for you, um, at least on the Instagram page to see, because it actually is pretty kind of cool. So... That might be one thing that you might see when you're dealing with very saturated soil conditions. Gutation usually isn't too much of a big deal, but if it happens for too long, it may mean that your plant isn't getting the nutrients it needs as it's forcing that sap out and unable to draw up new nutrients. When soil is wet for too long, the plant can't develop new feeder roots, which means not only does it not get the nutrients it needs, but it may also wilt because it can't even take up water. That sounds bizarre, right? It's true, though. We call it wet wilt. If the plant isn't transpiring and it can't draw fresh water up into the xylem, it will wilt. This also means there's no oxygen around the root system, and plants draw up oxygen as an essential nutrient through their roots. Plant roots that can't breathe eventually die. Essentially, the plant has drowned. So, of course, if your plant isn't doing well, and it's wilted, and it's weak from a lack of nutrients and from a lack of oxygen, well, this makes them susceptible to insect pest damage. Insects will prey on the weakest plants first because their defenses are down. The plant is expending all its energy just to survive at this point, and that makes it the perfect target. I will give you a great example that goes back to last week's episode on aphids. So with these rainy, wet conditions that we're having here right now, the sun has not come out, the greenhouse is staying so humid and everything in there is just saturated. And of course, I'm behind as usual <laughs> and I was remiss in getting our cherry tomatoes 
um, pruned properly. These are the ones that were growing in hanging baskets in the greenhouse this year. And so none of their foliage had been removed. Um, and of course, with there being very little airflow, it was very stagnant in there, even with the fans running. Um, and I went out this weekend to go and check on things and was harvesting some of the cherry tomatoes. And lo and behold, as I'm flipping over the leaves, there was an aphid infestation. And of course, this happened because I did not allow for enough proper airflow around the base of those plants. And so all that moisture was just trapped there. And that made the perfect haven for all of these aphids to just move right on in. I mean, honestly, I just hadn't been paying attention. Um, what did catch my attention was the fact that we had some ladybugs in the greenhouse. Now, I haven't released any ladybugs in the greenhouse this year. These came in naturally from outside. So what did that tell me? That told me that there was a food source somewhere. And so that's actually what prompted me to start flipping over the leaves um, of some of these plants. And sure enough, it was all of the cherry tomato plants. So um, the good news is I went through and I pruned them all up and cleared them all out and the plants don't seem any worse for the wear. So I'm actually not even treating that. We talked about that in the in the aphid um, episode. It, it, there's no need to treat it, then I'm not going to because I don't need to cause any problems with any of the beneficials that are coming in there and are actually eating those aphids. The aphids aren't causing any problems right now with any of the plants. And so I'm going to just kind of let mother nature sort of take her course and, uh, and resolve the situation on her own. But those aphids moved in because they were taking advantage of the plant expending its energy to just sort of, you know, survive the conditions that it was in. Um, and, and they took advantage. The good thing is, is that the plants are healthy. And so they're able to withstand that infestation. But another problem with super wet conditions is that it attracts fungal pathogens. So cool, wet conditions are prime for promoting fungal growth and helps many plant diseases thrive. In fact, many types of fungal diseases require wet weather for their spores to germinate. And then, of course, the splashing of the water from infected soils and infected plants onto other nearby plants actually helps to spread the disease uh, more quickly. So if you're in a situation right now where you have had too much rain, there's too much moisture in the soil, or if this is something that chronically happens to you um, every season, what can you do to prevent these problems from these wet conditions or how do you solve them once you have them? There's not much better than looking out first thing on a sunny morning, gazing at my garden beds over a hot cup of coffee. As U.S. Marines, my husband and I drank a lot of coffee. As farmers... Now, let's just say we should probably drink more water. The coffee we drink these days still has a military tie. We have freshly roasted coffee shipped to us every few weeks from Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle is a veteran-owned business, just like ours, but they serve up premium coffee and ship it around the world. When you join their coffee club, your chosen brew is roasted, packaged, and shipped free to your door on whatever schedule you choose. And with every purchase, they're giving back to military veterans and active duty, law enforcement, and first responders. Ready to check them out? Go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash coffee to save 20% when you join the Black Rifle Coffee Club. No commitments. Cancel anytime. That's justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash coffee for 20% off your coffee club subscription. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So obviously, if you're gardening in an in-ground plot, there's not a whole lot you can do about too much rain. If you've got a small area that you're gardening in, I have seen people in extreme situations um, put up those pop-up tents or canopies or market umbrellas as a way to sort of mitigate some of the rain, especially when you're getting day after day after day of torrential downpour. Um, If you're gardening in movable containers, then pushing those containers up against a building where they may get some protection can help. Or in extreme circumstances, if you need to move them into a garage or under a carport, just to give them the opportunity to be able to dry out a little bit. But in reality, it's all about prevention, making sure that your soil has plenty of organic matter that allows the water to move through the soil will help with keeping it drained and less likely that your plants will be standing in water. Now, if you frequently have seasons where you get too much rain early on and you often see standing water in your garden, you can try adding vermiculite or perlite to your garden soil. Now, these are those types of volcanic rock that you see in potting soils. They look sort of like little foam pellets. Uh, And it may seem counterintuitive because perlite and vermiculite actually increase water retention in soils. But they do that by aerating the soil, which is making it easier for the plant roots to move through and allowing water to drain once the soil is saturated. Adding compost is another great way to make sure that both the water and the plant roots have space to move. Compacted soils are not going to allow for strong root systems anyway, and so making sure that you have proper soil texture is really important. Now, you may see people suggest adding sand for this, but I caution you against this unless you get some direction from a professional. If you have dense clay soils, you're going to need to add tons of sand to get any benefit at all from it. And if you don't add enough sand, you can end up with the sand and the clay bonding together And so basically, you'll end up with a brick where your garden used to be. So stick with with compost or vermiculite or other organic materials to to amend your soil and and make it uh, drain better um, and and leave the sand to to the professionals. Um, If you know that you get heavy rainfalls that cause saturation every year, you may just want to consider building raised beds. Uh, Since you can control the soil in those beds, you can add as much organic matter as necessary to keep the water moving, and raised beds just generally drain better. Of course, if you live in an area where you go from saturated to super hot and bone dry, well, okay, now you end up with a situation where it may not retain the water as well as you'd like. It's definitely a balancing act depending on where you live. But another way to do this rather than actually creating raised beds is to create raised rows within your garden space. If you're gardening in an in-ground space, you can mound your your rows up or hill them up a little bit um, when you're planting. This will still allow for good drainage, but the water will be retained more effectively in the hotter, drier part of the season. 
Mulch is another way to prevent waterlogged soil, at least at first. If you get torrential rains for days on end, well, I mean, not much is going to help. But organic mulches do a really good job of slowing down the penetration of water into the plant root zone. And I know what you might be thinking, you know, wait, I thought I was supposed to mulch my garden to retain moisture. And yes, you would be correct. Mulching does help reduce the garden's water requirements, but not in the way that you might think. Mulching prevents the water from actively reaching the soil all at once. So in this way, it slows the rain by allowing some of it to run off away from the plants. But a large portion of the water is actually absorbed by the mulch. So in the circumstance where you have too much rain, this is beneficial because the plants are less likely to be standing in the water until after the mulch is very saturated. In a situation where you don't have enough rain, it allows the mulch to soak up whatever water is available and then release it to the root zone as the plant needs it and then keep that moisture there because the mulch is protecting the soil surface and preventing evaporation. So it really does work in both situations. And of course, this is only gonna work for so long when the rain is persistent. Eventually, the soil is gonna become waterlogged. So once the rain stops, it might be beneficial to pull back some of the mulch away from the root zones of the plants to allow some of that water to evaporate more quickly. So if the, the influx of rain is, is a temporary situation that is actually unusual for your garden and for your area, you can mitigate some of that water stress by digging a trench around your garden area. The trench can act sort of as a moat that funnels some of the water away from your plants. And if the situation is extreme, you can even add like a French drain or a drain tile to the trench to really move the water out. Hopefully you're not getting so much rain that this ends up being something that you have to do. The way to help prevent the fungal diseases that come with a lot of this excess moisture um, is to understand that the water on top of the leaf, right, lets the spores and those bacterial cells penetrate the plant. And that's how it causes the infection. So by drying the leaf, you kill the spores. So now, obviously, I'm not going to see you walking out there in your garden and patting all of the leaves dry on all of your plants. This might work if you are in a container garden and you have individual containers on your porch where you can sort of pat them down a little bit between rainstorms if you want. Um, but you can use drying agents like diatomaceous earth or first Saturday lime to dust on those plant leaves. And that may help soak up some of the moisture from those leaves and prevent those spores from spreading. And the lime can also change the pH of the leaf surface, which may make it less hospitable to those pathogens. Um, in an in-ground space, mulch also comes in handy here too. A good layer of mulch between plants in the garden helps prevent the splashing of infected soils up onto the plant surfaces. So it slows the spread of the disease until the spores can dry out. Just be sure if your plants are showing signs of disease, pull off any of the affected leaves and discard them. Um, once the weather dries up, your, your plants should be able to bounce back if you've removed the diseased portions of the plant, and this will also help uh, prevent reinfection. 
Now, if you've got standing water in your garden and any of those plants are vining type plants like tomatoes, um, you can mound compost or fresh soil up around the base of the stem to help mitigate some of the excess water. So since tomatoes and other vines will send out new roots wherever they're in contact with the soil, this gives roots the opportunity to stretch into that new compost or that new soil that's not already saturated. Doing something like this can actually make or break a tomato patch in some extreme situations. Um, so it's it's something to try um, if your garden is really just sitting in standing water and you have some of those vining plants. And honestly, in some instances, there's not going to be a darn thing you can do. It's just the nature of gardening, unfortunately. We can only control our growing environment to a limited extent, and the rest is absolutely up to Mother Nature. Hopefully you are not in the situation where you feel like you're going to lose your garden um, to any standing water or to oversaturation. Keep in mind that once we get through this, if you do lose plants, it's it's not the end of the season yet. We still have plenty of time left to go um, in order to be able to get a harvest and you just may have to modify your gardening plan just a little bit. Thanks for listening today. I hope this helps you deal with what many of us right now are dealing with in this super rainy spring. I will try to get out there and post those images um, of those plants um, from the greenhouse last year over on the Instagram page if you follow us at Just Grow Something Podcast on Instagram. Um, when you're done listening to this episode, if you could download it and be sure that you are following the podcast in your podcast app or player, that helps more people find uh, this podcast. And if you can rate and review it in your podcast player, that would also help people find their new favorite gardening podcast. So um, I will be back again on Friday with another Focal Point Friday episode. In the meantime, keep on cultivating that dream garden and I will talk to you again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. I hope these episodes are helping you understand more about how to grow your own food and maybe growing an awareness of food issues in general. Just remember, no matter where you live or what you have, you can absolutely grow something. Thank you.